What's the crack? Welcome back to the Irish Boys podcast for another Friday's edition of Family Therapy. We've been away for a while with Manchester United being quiet and not a whole pile happened over the international break, has her mum? No, I don't think so. Happy enough to be back? Speculation. Yeah? Yeah. So today we're going to go over three topics as per usual, but obviously we've got Newport this weekend, so we're going to try and mix it up a wee bit because uh, there's not a whole pile has come out, I think, in the past couple of weeks for Manchester United. Biggest one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. Tell you what, there's a good place to start. What do you feel about the Jurgen Klopp announcement? Well, I hope the Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool will have the same effect that Alex Ferguson had when he left Man United. Is it a hope or do you do you think it actually has oh, it's a big Yeah. It depends on the next managerial appointment. Chabby Alonso surely. Yeah. Graham Potter's free. No, I think the timing of it I think is a giveaway in this scenario. I tell you what, I was talking to a friend earlier as soon as it broke and we were talking on the phone and he said he had said the same sentiment that you had. You know, it could have a real detrimental effect to Liverpool, it could have a real knock on effect where it kinda of rattles Liverpool a bit. I don't think so. I think that Liverpool have only allowed Jurgen Klopp to make that announcement because they know who the new manager is coming in. Otherwise, the timing of it is extremely suspect and you would have to think that all is not rosy in the garden at Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, that's my... That'd be my assumption as well. The timing of it is a bit curious. Massively. Massively. The no, timing why of it not is... wait till the end of the season? Why? Is it just... And the way he said he's tired and... He needs a break, and then at the start of the season, he was he came out with an interview and said he was energized that he was looking forward to the rebuild. So, I think that just screams of a man though today who wanted to say exactly what he thinks of the Premier League at this stage. Look, the full story is going to come out after Jurgen Klopp leaves. We're not going to get it till then, but hold back from Stafford even. Yeah. So he's going and taking his crew with him. Exactly. But so, whoever else comes in will take their crew with them as well. Does it not speak to the fact that Liverpool already know their new, new manager? You know, to hear that Jurgen Klopp and the backroom team are leaving says to me that a new manager has been agreed and a new manager wants to come in with his backroom team. No, it all seems very sudden to me. Although he did say in an interview that they had discussed it. It was halfway through a meeting to do with transfers. Um, and that he told the board then. That was in November. Yeah. I think as a Manchester United fan, you want to believe that there's more in it than there oh, is. Absolutely. I am going to put my neck out and say that when we speak again next Friday, we will know who the next manager of Liverpool is, or have a fair idea of who the next manager of Liverpool is. No club simply announces the manager and the whole backroom staff are going at the end of January unless they have a foolproof plan in place. So Liverpool aren't that stupid. They're not. Liverpool have a plan. They know who's coming in next. My big question is, does this galvanise the team or divide the team now? It's questionable timing to do it for me there will be a few players in that squad that will think if the next manager comes in am I going to be still in the squad yeah especially those young players you know that he has the ones he's saying too Sam is definitely leaving I would say at the end of the season yeah that will be a big blow for them Um, but there's a couple of players there that you take the like of Alex McAllister that was brought in uh, Slavisai that might not suit the next manager's system unless Liverpool are shrewder than Man United and have a player or a manager that will come in that will suit that that's a rep that's ready made for that team. 
Is that not how the more forward-thinking football clubs do it now, though? Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. we get Manchester Unitedized by looking at that and going, you know, oh, what happens if the new players, you know, the manager comes in and the players don't suit his system and it's a rebuild and stuff again. There are very few big clubs that do that. A big club is forward-thinking enough to have a manager come in who's able to work with the set of players that they already have. That's my place. point. Yeah. But Manchester United don't do that. So our immediate thoughts drift to it and we think, right, is when that manager comes in, who are Liverpool going to shift? Who are they going to have to buy? I mean, the more plausible scenario is that Xabi Alonso comes in and works with better players than he had at Bayer Leverkusen and gets it right. But or does not. You would hope he doesn't get it right. Look, there's going to be two sides. I'm trying to be objective. Obviously, I don't want to see Liverpool succeed. But I think you have to objectively look at this. I don't see that as Damon Gloom for Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool fans are looking at that as Damon well, Gloom. Carragher said it brilliantly. Carragher said, we knew this was coming. We thought we'd get a few more years from it. It's a body blow. But let's go Jürgen till the end of the season. Let's leave on a bang. So, well, most of them are, are in mourning at the minute. Big manager, like. Yeah, big blow, them. Big blow. But let's get back to United News. Omar Barada coming in. Ooh. A man who I knew very, very little about. Oh, and people like Yeah, I've, I'm lucky enough now that everyone has jumped on the story and I've got a full homework assignment now of, of information through on who he is, what he's done. What do you make of the Barada sign? Oh, great. He's a footballer man. He's, his CV just speaks for itself. What has he done? What's his achievements to make me excited? Well, he started off, he was head of... Com- right. Don't take this as gospel, but he was with Barcelona, but it was more to do with the commercial, bringing commercial sponsors in, and then he moved to City, and um, pretty much the same until he was promoted to, what was it, Chief Chief, chief Operations Officer. Yeah, Chief, like chief that. Operations Officer. Yeah, so he overseen, he overseen the whole City group. That was the thing that I read, that he seen the overseen the City group, didn't yeah. oversee Man City. As a whole, uh, it's more that he had direct football and involvement for all of the teams that are in and around there. And I mean, for those who don't know a lot about the City group, Girona are nailing it at the minute in La Liga. Girona have got themselves promoted into La Liga and taken La Liga by storm under Miguel. Look, like it or not, and we don't like it as Man United fans, City is the most profitable well and run. most successful team in, Europe, in the world, maybe. But they did a, a brilliant thing when they first came in, those owners. And this is where I was reading the Barada story. They approached the Barcelona board, who at that time were one of the best organisations in all of football. And they poached people from Barcelona, best-in-class people to come in and run the City Group, because that's how they wanted to take that club forward. Yes, when City first got their new owners, mistakes were made. But then when they realised that they couldn't run it on their own, they brought in Tixiara, Barada, there was another few names mentioned, all taken in from the club that was doing the best in the world. That's brilliant. Now, for Manchester United, for me to eat humble pie and turn around and say, right, Man City's the biggest organisation in the world in terms of football and output against commercialism, let's go and poach their number two. Let's see, will Omar Barada, you know, accept the number one position at Manchester United? It will give him the promotion that he is looking at in Manchester City that he's going to have to wait on for a couple of seasons right now and let him oversee this project moving forward. Hey, that is so positive. Definitely is win-win for United, especially when you had the like of Ed Woodward, Richard Arnold, bankers. Bankers. That were put in place to make money for the Glazers. And yeah. that's the bottom line there. Now, apparently, um, 
Barada is the best of both worlds for the Glazers and for the football club because he has his little black book full of contacts that he can bring more revenue in. That's hopefully what Hopefully revenue that will be spent on the squad instead I, of going into dividends. You and I spoke about this in an earlier podcast, one of the first podcasts we did, about John Murray's lack of standing in football. It was to do with Frankie de Jong and the Frankie de Jong scenario, how he was held on a shoestring and told uh, that you know there was a chance he was going to come. Barcelona's chairman held him to ransom. You know, it, we need to get rid of Frankie de Jong, we need to get rid of his wages, we need to get rid of his transfer fee. And because he didn't have the sort of... Know-how. Not even the know-how, Mum. How would I say it? He didn't have the... Standing football is one way to put it. The stature. The stature in football to be respected enough to get a definitive answer from Barcelona one way or the other. They played the game with him for an entirety. I don't see Barada having done that. I think Barada would have spoke to agent and spoke to football club and probably come away from the meeting and known Barcelona are playing games here. Well, put it this way. If we had Barada in, there is no way Anthony would have been bought because they were looking at Harry Maguire. And once the 80 million sum came up, they walked away from it. I and think they got Ruben Diaz the year after. Yeah, I think one important thing to note now is Manchester United fans seem to have got it into themselves, and I'm only basing this on what I'm saying, that this is the one that's going to sort us out, this is the immediate win. This isn't, folks. No, he's one part of the jigsaw. He's one part of the jigsaw that's going to take a couple of years to fix. Transfers and signings are not the immediate problem at Manchester United. The football is. There is a good enough squad there to compete higher than what they are doing at the minute. And it's not happening. So Omar Barada is a brilliant signing for the future of Manchester United. But the future of Manchester United, he will change absolutely nothing in the now. No, no, not this season. Way too late. He doesn't start Not even next season. What's he going to change next season? That he gets the transfers right? Is transfers really the issue at Man United? We were talking about Manchester City. A big factor in that success has been Pep Guardiola. Yeah, brilliant coach. Fantastic. That's what I mean. So, in my opinion, Eric Ten Hag is on trial from now until the summertime. Yeah, I agree. But they'd better have somebody lined up that is that can sustain a, a winning way. But this is what I said to you. I'm not Graham Potter. I, I don't mind if it's Graham Potter. No. If Omar Barada comes in, right, and decides that it's Graham Potter, then I trust Omar Barada more than I trust without causing offence you or anybody else to turn around and tell me who the next Manchester United man should, should be. If Omar Barada comes in and makes a decision and said, no, it's not Eric Ten Hag, it's Graham Potter, because I can see the vision under Graham Potter and I know what Potter wants and I can give Potter that, I'll say yes. What I'm really excited about now is I trust the people at the top who are going to make the decisions now on coaching staff and playing staff. But not just decisions. playing staff, but coaching staff as yeah. well. If he comes in and he sees what Eric Ten Hag has done as a body of football and a body of work in the next, the past two seasons, sorry, in the summer, and he makes the decision that it's time to axe this man and go with somebody else, then I'll back the new manager to the hilt because it's being decided by the right people. I don't think that Murda and Arnold were the right people to go out and negotiate the new manager of Manchester United. And I'm not going to get into another Eric Ten Hag debate, totally but we're seeing the proofs in the pudding. Do you know what I mean? He's not succeeding at the minute, but we'll wait and see what happens till the end of the year. But I think it's really exciting now to see who is going to lead this club going forward. But you made a, a good point there. He can't do it on his own. Is there any movement on the rest? There's speculation about, um, is it Ashford? Dan Ashworth. Dan Ashworth. 
Ashworth. Mm. Um, there's speculation about him, but it's yeah, he's coming one day and then no Newcastle are holding on to the next. But um, Newcastle are in the mangle along with us with financial fair play at the minute. It still seems a strange one to me. I think someone pointed out to me that he's actually friends with either Jim Ratcliffe or David Brailsford, or they have a relationship through yeah different dealings um, that they've done. So I'm sure there is a connection there where they would be able to entice the man to come across some way. But you know what? I'm going to defeat my own argument here because how did they entice Barada across if they can't get Dan to come as well, you know? Could be something like the, his contract, you don't know. I think Barada is a statement to the rest of football that our football club will take who they see fit as long as that person wants to come. Well, I think that's any us. Best in class. Yeah, and that's what they said from the start. They want the best in class. So, and I'd love to get Paul Mitchell in as well. That would be the dream team. Yeah, I think as a, a recruiter, he is probably the best fit yeah. that we could find in terms of young talent. And he's, he's proven it everywhere that and, he's been. Again, his CV speaks for itself. And I think the best thing about getting Paul Mitchell in at that position is that, yes, Manchester United are a much bigger club than other clubs that he would have worked at, but the Red Bull group are pretty good. Monaco was a pretty big proposition, mm-hmm. one small dream. He has held higher titles at other football clubs, so he's lowering his title to come in and work at a bigger football club. I like that, because he will have an understanding then of everything that works above him and everything that works underneath him. So he won't be going out and dream pitching players to these people. He will know exactly what he has to succeed at and what he has to do to succeed. And I think that can only be positive. Him having that you know, operational awareness of everything else that goes into his position above him. So I think if we could get that trio, that's that's monumental for Manchester United. Yeah, well then, Brailsford and Jean-Claude Blanc on the board. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're going to be board members. They're going to be sitting on the board. Blanc is a brilliant one to have because Blanc again has operational yeah. and football and awareness of what it takes to run a big football club. How to deal with UEFA, how to deal with the Premier League, how to build relationships, cultivate relationships, get the best out of every interaction you go into, how to manage transfers, how to negotiate transfers, how to negotiate transfers for the betterment of Manchester United no matter who the player is. All of these things have been missing now for 10 years and it makes sense that this is the first thing that they get right going forward. But again, to reiterate my opinion, I don't think this is a quick fix. I don't think this changes anything. I think it's really positive for the next couple of seasons. But the main issue is going to be football, manager, coaching. Yeah, I agree that, with you. They need to be sorted. The club has been in structurally a mess for a long time. And yeah. it's going to take a while to sort that out. It will. Even with the right people there. I mean, I think at times we get guilty of playing like football manager in FIFA and think, oh, if we sub these three players out sell them to other clubs and bring in these three players, we're going to win the Premier League. That's not football anymore. It's not. It, the level of detail that goes into the coaching and you know the, the tactics and stuff at football clubs now is extreme. Yeah, it's we, all scientific as, as well. Yeah, you know, so we've gone past one man picking 11 players. Yeah. So that leads into something that I wanted to go over, right? So we say we're going to do things a bit differently. So we'll cover Barada and we'll cover Klopp, right? The main part of this today is going to be the keep and sell. Because I think Barada came out with a fantastic statement. Did you see his statement about players will only last one or two years? Yeah, have to prove it within that and then we got rid of Yes. That to me said, you know, keeping players at the football club just because we can't get the sell-on value we expect it is now dead. If I have to buy Harry Maguire for 80 million he doesn't suit me in two seasons, I'll sell him for 10 just to get rid of him. You know, it has to be that, which is brilliant. That's ruthless. Uh, so, keep or sell is going to be the big segment here. We'll go 
try and go for as many as we can. First team. First team, first mm-hmm. 11, right? Andrew Onana. Yeah, I'll keep him. No. Just for the crack. <laughs> no, why? Why would you keep no, him? No, I'll tell you why I'll keep him, right? Andrew Onana is kicking long balls and actually there, there was a clip of himself and Johnny Evans and Johnny Evans didn't want the ball to his feet. Johnny Evans actually told Onana to kick it out, to kick it long. So I can't wait until the like of, I know I, I wouldn't sell him yet. He can't save the ball. He's awkward saving a ball. You're talking about Manchester United as if that's the only example. This is a man, right, who went to the Cameroon team, arrived late, annoyed his entire teammates, but still got into the game to play against Senegal. Here's your moment to shine and show why you have the merit to fuck your international teammates over like you did and disrespect your country. Here's your time to stand up. And he embarrassed himself. He was shocking again. Disgustingly bad. And then he gets relegated to the bench for a goalkeeper who is playing for a second-tier French team who did better than he did. When is oh, is it going to come alive? When am I going to see? Is he simply being kept in that net because he can pass a ball? Because the fundamentals of goalkeeping... Or that you're going to have to save shots. And in the Premier League, you don't get away with being a poor shot stopper. So he has to go, Mum. I don't see the point in no, keeping I him. No, I don't. I would keep him. Because I tell you, if our defence is solidified, there won't be that many shots against him for a start. So you're telling me that your plan for winning the Premier League and the Champions League is to I have a goalkeeper who's good at passing the ball. I just said I wouldn't get rid of him yet. We'll recontextualise this discussion then. This is the team to win the Premier League and the Champions League. Far off it. Do we keep or sell Andrew and Sell them all then, Rory. Do we keep or sell Andrew and I'll keep him. As backup keeper? You're not going to get rid of him now. Much we pay for him. Yeah, 40 million, whatever it was. We can't do that. We're not going to take money into consideration. It's well, not I, that sort of I thing. I have said I would keep him. And I told you my reasons. But you just said about money. First reason you went Stop to there was we just that. brought him in. You asked me what I keep him and I gave him a reason. I said, yeah, I would keep him. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't pick up your reason. What was your reason for keeping him? Well, <coughs> excuse me, to give him time to see if, look, he's, I would put him on trial the same way as Eric Ten Hag is to the end of the season. Do you if think he's a good enough keeper? If that depends. Well, he was brilliant for Inter Milan. As a goalkeeper or as a passer of the ball? No, as both. Pep Guardiola actually came out and said it about O'Neill. So what has happened to him? The curse of Manchester United? It could be the curse of Manchester United, or it could be that we had 14 different pairings from the start of the season. How does that affect the goalkeeper's ability to save the ball? <sighs> now, if you look at O'Neill's mistakes, Mum, right? I understand your point about chemistry and all the rest when it comes well, to I outfield players. It's been a disaster so far. But his mistakes are abysmal. And I bring it back to his Cameroonian. And very cool. He has gone to his international team to play in AFCON. And he has been dropped to the bench for a second-tier French goalkeeper because his manager, Rigobert Song, does not trust him to save the ball. This is the first-choice goalkeeper at Manchester United. And as a team to go forwards, I do not want that man in nets. I don't want him playing for the club. I, I think it has been another shocking decision by Eric Ten Hag. I think Inter Milan flattered him because they give him exactly what you are wanting to give him. They give him security in the back line. He didn't have to face that many shots. They were very good, very organised Is that what your defence is there for? You're not going to get that in the Premier League. Serie A is not the Premier League. My God, you can go out, and we've seen it this season, you can go out and you can play against Brentford or Wolves. You might have to save nine shots in a game. Like, if we look at it right now, right, in terms of pure goalkeeping, and we'll not get hung up on Onana for the whole day, we've got Ederson playing for City, 
Allison playing for Liverpool and Petrovic who has come in do you think he's better than any of the three of them? No but do you think Dr. Hale was a good shot stopper? One of the best mm. He was disastrous his first year absolutely disastrous Did he make the mistakes Yes. that Onana is making? He made very very amateur mistakes just go back you know, just go back to David Hayes first year. So you think Onana has that claim? And everybody case? wrote him off. I am not saying that he will become world class. I'm just saying just give him more time. Okay. He's a sell for me, so we're one each on that mm, one. Okay. Left back, Luke Shaw. I'll keep Luke Shaw for one more year and that's it. Yeah, I agree with that. Just because he's a hard one to sell. Uh, doesn't do anything wrong in the football pitch. I think he's a brilliant player. I just have questions over Luke Shaw and his influence over that Manchester United team. I have an awful feeling that he is one of the wee snakes that yeah. disrupts that whole trade. You're not on your own. A lot of supporters think that as well. Yeah, there's just something about it. it was the, I say this to you all the time. It was the Ralph Ranić comments when Luke Shaw was heralded by a section of Man United fans for calling out the tactics and the lack of patience to play and everything that Manchester United was done. You go back and you type into YouTube for me, right? Ralph Ranić, Luke Shaw. You listen to that interview. He fired Ralph Ranić onto the bus. He was calling the manager out for playing a different formation that the players didn't understand. Luke Shaw, who wasn't captain at that stage, just a, felt that, that he would take it on his knee to give him a soapbox. Yeah, give it a YouTube. It's actually, when you look at it contextually, it's disgusting. Mm. He basically came out and said, well, this interim choice of manager is a joke. And I just looked at that and thought, I reckon you're one of the wee disturbers that kicks up every time Probably. things aren't rosy in the yard. And you seem to have lasted every manager because there's nobody else yeah who dug him out to try and make him play better Jose I think yes. Jose knew it oh, Jose bullied him though but he's, yeah he did but Luke Shaw's a hard one to get rid of under the, the sort of structure that came before yeah, England international embedded in the club not the sort of player that the Manchester United hierarchy of old wanted to sell yeah I don't think Barada would suffer Luke Shaw in the long term but loads of birds and stuff hanging in the background you can tell it's your birthday tomorrow it's about the only time people text <coughs> I think I forgot to wish people a good morning. They're probably texting me going, are you alright? Do you have some sort of like sad death watch set up? No, 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 like... it started in the pandemic, right? And it was... So know, it is some sort of sad no, death it watch? it wasn't, wasn't. Everybody's phone, are you alright? I just said that because I was just fed up with phone calls. <laughs> so, I know it's really sad. But, so I just text good morning to the people say, yes, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm okay, leave me alone. So are these messages flooding in or people checking if you die before your 60s? Yeah. Oh, that's not very fair. Sexy's quite young these days. I didn't say I wasn't young. It's just a morbid way that you've got that set up <laughs> working. Not. It really is. It is. Well, it's for someone who lives on their own. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Oh, that's actually nice now that it's... Yeah. Mm. Cool. So. Good idea. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyone that can hear the tweets in the background, that's yeah, people sorry, checking that's in to make sure phone. my mother hasn't died. Um, but yeah, we'll move on then to the centre-backs. Lissandra Martin is. He's a okay. keep. 110. Raphael Brown. Do you know Raphael Brown is still a, a super defender? Brilliant. Absolutely. I, I would know. I would actually extend it for another year. I would keep Raphael Brown. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Definitely. Aaron Wambasaka. Sell. I'm the same. I'd sell Wambasaka. So let's go to the backups now, right? Goalkeeper by Ender. Who knows? Let him what go. that lad. 
I if I was people, him, who knows? And I seen the Afcon game. I would have marched up to my agent and or rang my agent and said, "You need to march into Manchester United and tell them it's not it's ultimatum time. If I am not going to play over this yoke, if I'm not going to get a chance to prove I'm better than him, then please ask them to sell me back to Turkey. What do they come for? Yeah. For the sake of his career. For the sake of his career, because we took him as the first choice goalkeeper at Fenerbahce." Have him sitting on the bench to play for a man that should be dropped. If Onana was ripping up trees, I wouldn't have a defence for Bender. But Onana's playing terribly, and yet Bender doesn't get a consideration. Yeah. So I would like Just to see him. Just give a chance. That's all. Uh, Tyrell Malassia. Yeah, I would keep him yeah. as a backup. Decent backup, isn't he? Yeah. He is. There's an interesting comparison. I think Tyrell Malassia is a good backup, but I think you can do better than Luke Shaw. You know that's why I'm saying keep Luke Shaw for one more year. I wouldn't give him any more. But and then you scout yeah. the left back. In my mind I'm thinking Champions League and Premier League. How do you know win it? Luke Shaw's a no for me. Onana's a no for me. That's where I'm coming from. I don't think you win with those two players in the team. Uh in the Sandra Martinez position we are going to go for Victor Lindelof first. Sell. Sell. Agreed. Doesn't need a discussion. Yoke. Uh Willie Quambla. Oh, definitely. I think he's going to be good. Yeah. And he can play kind of he anywhere. Play, he's played he can play defence and he can play right back. Yeah. He's also filled in at left centre back as well. I think the first he's time he good. came on, he was left centre back. And he's very good at transitioning the ball out from the back. Exactly. Needed Norway to play in football. Um, then we move across to Harry Maguire. No. No. Harry goes. Harry goes. Yeah. He's done really well this season, though. He's done all right. I think people are in for an absolute. Kick up the backside when Harry Maguire, who I've seen back training in games, gets partnered with Sandra Martinez. Right, that could be. But Harry Maguire's contract, I think, is up in 2026, right? So, you either sell him and make a few pounds on him. Yeah. Or hold on to him and his value depreciates. Sell him this summer. Well, I agree with you, right? I agree with you. But I'm just posing a scenario to you here, right? With how well he's played under Erickson Hag and how many times Erickson Hag has selected Harry Maguire over Raphael Varane. What if Martinez partners Harry Maguire when both are fit? Well, then he partners Harry Maguire, but it's still selling him in the summer. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? We Then you know that Varane is on his way out. Yeah, but we both want Varane to stay. And I agree with you on Varane saying it should be Varane and Martinez. But what if this manager decides Maguire and Martinez is my two going forward? This is, it'll be another... I don't think he will, Rory. I hope I you're right. He will. I hope you're right. I didn't think he would persist with Scott in the way he does, but he proves us all wrong. Yeah, but Ferran and Martinez had um, a good partnership the first season. They did. Very good partnership. Unquestionable. Yeah. Really did. The only thing that you could question mark about Ferran is his fitness levels. Do you know, I think he thought that Rafael Ferran couldn't play the left centre-back position, and then Rafael Ferran came in and played the left centre-back position and proved him wrong. Much the same as I think he wanted Harry Maguire out, because he thought Harry Maguire would add no value to the team and he took his stand against Harry Maguire and I think he was proved wrong. Victor Lindelof was the one to take your stand against last summer. Maguire was probably the better option as a backup. If you were going to have to keep one, it should have been Maguire. And I think that get that's... Get rid of both of them. Lindelof and Maguire have to go. Yeah, it's two scenarios where you just have to replace them. I would like to see Sean Clare Tadebo come in and if I had to pick a second, being linked to Giorgio Scalvini is massive because he is an absolute baller. Get both. Yeah, that's what I mean. Replace those yeah. two boys with both. Then you've got an established backline and people who are able to come in and bed themselves and in the nice Yeah. Uh, Diogo Dallo. No, I'll keep, I'll keep Dallo. I know Kieran's not going to like that, but 
Oh, definitely. He's versatile. He's a... He's such a bad defender. Yes, he has lapses in concentration, yes. He's Andrew O'Nana. But he's not absolutely awful. No, he is. He's Andrew O'Nana. He's he's the right back of Andrew. Like... Would you not think... Footballers come to a point where if you can put in enough for a highlight reel, right, you actually get a stand-in in football. That is what football has become. Diogo Dallo can't defend. Not as a bad defender. He cannot defend. He's positionally weak. His tackling is brutal. He gets lost. He upsets the whole back lane. But he's good at going forward and he pops up with a goal. So we'll keep Dallo and we'll sell the defender, Wambasaka. And Andrew Onana can't save the ball but looks flashy with his passing and stuff like that. Got a Ballon d'Or nod so we'll keep Andrew Onana. I, I can't compute that. I would rid myself of both. I don't want Wambasaka or Dallo near the team. Go and sign two right backs. You need to get a starter and you need to get a better backup. No, we need a squad, and I think Dallo, if they're going to go for, um, if they're going to re- replace the right back, well then Dallow's good sitting on the bench, and he's versatile. If you gave me that over again, and you had asked, if we had asked each other between Juan Bissaka and Diogo Dallo, I would keep Juan Bissaka over Dallo because Juan Bissaka can defend, he can tackle defenders, and that's what I would rather prefer than a yoke bombing forward and popping up with a goal every now and again in inconsequential games for a laugh. I I don't think Dallo gives anywhere near enough to be considered to get to stay apart from the fact that he seems to get on with our major stars so kudos to him for embedding himself with the players that he has I think that's his only shining point chemistry I don't think he's as bad as you're making out do you think he gets lost in games? oh he does in some games and his concentration levels shouldn't be aren't where they should be yeah could you argue that he's made as many mistakes to cause goals this season as Onana? no not think so? no I tell you what for I'm going to dig out how many mistakes have led to goals for Diogo Dalla. I would say Asmum. He's an awful defender. I think that's why Kieran gets so irate about him. Because at least twice in a game, you will point to a player going straight past Diogo Dalla. Or Diogo Dalla being up the pitch when a winger gets, gets right in and scores goals. Pitch too often for my liking. But no, I don't think he's as bad as he's making out. Okay. Uh, in the midfield, Scott McTominay. Go. I'd keep him. Would you? Yeah. Well, I suppose you'd keep him if he's utilised properly. Yep. He's not a starter for me. No. And he's better coming off the bench and going further forward. Yep. But he's just, he's another one that's frustrating. Brilliant weapon because off the bench, though. He is, yeah. So, squad player. Yeah, I would keep him. I think Scott McTominay's a really dangerous player in the last 20 minutes. But he should only be played in the last 20 minutes in the majority of games. Now, you're going to have to start Scott in games to get him to stay. But he should be utilised as the backup for better players. Uh, Kobe Mainu. Oh, definitely keep. Definitely no more for the future. Right, the harder ones. Casemiro. Casemiro. He's still, still a quality player. I agree. And I know that he hasn't had a good start to the season, but then apparently he was carrying an injury. No, I would keep Casemiro for another year. I would keep Casemiro and Varane. For their experience, they're winners. They've won it all. I really struggled. And we're going to have, sorry to interrupt, but with all our young players coming through, hopefully there'll be more coming through, to have those in the tra- to have those two players, those two men on the training ground would be invaluable. I really struggled with Manchester United fans coming out and saying that Casemiro had lost it, that he's lost the legs, that you know he's not the Casemiro that he was, and blah, 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 blah. 
Name me a Manchester United player that's had a good season. No, sorry, Rory, can I make a point here, right? All the Manchester United fans going out easily. He's isolated nine times out of ten in that midfield. United, as a collective, have been absolute dog shit this season. The football has been absolutely awful, and there is not one 90-minute game where you can point to this season the Manchester United were impressive. In spells, they've pulled it off, and they've looked like any mid-table club should look. They've done done it in moments, and that's brilliant. They're exactly where they deserve to be in the table. The football has been absolutely rotten this season. Casemiro is a brilliant, world-class holding midfielder. And a warrior. And a warrior. He's a brilliant footballer. He is being made to look poor in a really poor United team at the minute. Now, whether that is tactics, training, coaching, or just a bit of lack of cohesion, I don't know what it is. But I don't think we can single out and take away the attributes of these players simply because they're having a bad season. I think this is one of the worst United seasons I've seen post-Ferguson. Yeah, if yeah. not the worst I've seen. This is worse than Moise. Much, much worse. But we'll wait and see what happens to the end of the year. But Casemiro has to be kept on. Yeah. I totally agree. Can't let Casemiro go. Who are you going to replace him Unless with? Unless huge money comes in for Which from Saudi or whatever, wherever. I think the Saudi dream is about to die. We've seen it now in January. Saudi is a really good one for drumming up bullshit stories and it's a brilliant one for reporters to use now at the minute. I mean, I would love to be a reporter at the minute because all I have to do is pick out a player having a bit of a rough time at a football club, make it up that a Saudi club is linked to him and I'll get enough people talking about it in the gym. That's that's journalism at the minute. Yeah, it's complete make-believe nonsense and the amount of stories that I get said to me and I'm like, listen, if Romano hasn't said it, I'm not taking it. He's the only independent journalist left out there, therefore the only one not being pushed to make up stories, therefore the only one that I deem credible. So I don't think Casimir will go to Saudi Arabia. I think Casimir should be kept being aided. Christian Erickson. Go. 110. Poor Christian, he's done. But he's done in the Get a GoFundMe started for the flight. Yeah. Because I think he eats up game times on other players where he shouldn't be on the pitch. But he's ex-Ajax and he's safe. So our manager picks him in moments where he's struggling a wee bit. But I do not like Christian Eriksen anymore in that United team. I don't think he's the no, level he's you want to aspire to. Definitely not. Um, I'm trying not to take in the fact that he came in the summer, that he has the shirt, and that he costs money, okay? Okay. Mason Mount. Who knows what that guy can do in a United shirt? Where is he anyway? I don't know. I've, I've looked out for him in training montages and training videos and training pictures and I don't see him. Keep yourself. Well, we'll keep him to see what he can do. Although, that is the biggest head scratcher for me. Because for me, in that team, it's either Mount or Bruno Fernandes. Not both. You see, I think he can be both. Right. I think he can be both. I think we haven't seen the best of Mason Mount. I haven't seen him at all. Mount... Really? Mount is perplexing, it really is. Why they went for him, why they gave him the number seven, why it was such a priority signing. But I think he looked at Mason Mount and he's seen one of the components to do what he wanted from Frankie de Jong and his system, which is come deep at times and take the ball off and turn on a swivel and break the press. Mount can do that. So can Kobe Menu. So I think the overall plan from Ayrton Hag was to integrate Kobe Menu and Mason Mount as an all-English midfield that he was going to try and get through pure dynamism. And we have seen Kobe Manu in spells do exactly what we thought this kid could do. The Pogba goes past people, brilliant close quarter control. What Mount has that he doesn't have, I think, is pace 
and the ability to run forwards and play these wee quick link-ups. And experience. Yeah. I think when Casemiro played with Mason Mount, Mount tried to occupy positions much higher up the pitch because Casemiro is a constant hole in midfielder. He patrols and operates in that area, therefore pushed him on top of Bruno. But I think Kobe Mainu, Mason Mount, Bruno Fernandes, they've got the technical capabilities to make a brilliant midfielder. So I think it can be done, we just haven't seen it. Mm. Will it be done? Fuck knows. But it can be done. That's another question, yeah. And I think that is Manchester United's starting midfield. What happens when Casemiro is fully fit? He's not going to be happy to sit on the bench for Kobe Mainu. No, I don't think Kobe... I think now we've seen a bit of Kobe Mainu, but he's still only a kid. I think Kobe Mainu will not be a regular starter. He'll be in and out of the team to the end of the season. And then we have to reassess the whole team. Possibly. I just think, like, I agree with what you say because that is kind of the traditional Man United way of doing things. We've got a bright spark, but we'll, we'll ease him in. Yeah. Barcelona don't do that. When Pedri and Gavi came through, Pedri and Gavi came through and started week on week. To the detriment of other players like Frank Cassie and stuff, who'd sit on the bench on big money and suffer them playing in the team. Because Barcelona believe this is the future, these are the ways to play. Yeah, but is Gavi not out now with a big injury, and which is attributed to overplaying him at that age? Is Gabby out? Yeah, he's injured, I think. Check your phone. <laughs> I'm checking a minute. I'm not too sure. I didn't know Gabby was out. Gabby or Pedro, one, one of the two. But one of them is out injured, long term. But can you really blame that on overplaying somebody? Yes, because young people are not developed yet at 18 and 19. I think the season's 21. Right, well... And some, some people... You look at the injuries in the Premier League. Some people can handle it. You look at Wayne Rooney, Yes. Right? You look at the injuries in the Premier League, right? And how many players are injured this season? Can we not say that of every player at every age? You know, what, what constitutes overplaying a player? Because you made a brilliant example and you actually stole the example I was going to make. Did Wayne Rooney not play every game from your 16 years onwards? Yeah, but that, that's what I'm saying. People have different makeups. So what's to say that Kobe Mainu doesn't have the makeup to play every game? Well, nothing yet. Yeah. But he's only broke onto the scene. I agree, but again, back to my point. Pedro and Gavi broke on to the same for Barcelona. Now, I don't know their entry records or whatever, but Pedro and Gavi are in the team every time they're fit, aren't they? So why are they able to do that? But we look at Kobe Mainu and go, oh, wait, pump the brakes. We need to ease him into the team. Alejandro Garnacho has been the only shining star of Manchester United this season, right? Now, he has played largely out of necessity through injuries and different varying circumstances. But he's better than the rest of our wingers. So he obviously didn't need to be eased into the team. He should have started possibly it last could year. could be to do with Kobe Mainu's injury as well. Remember he was injured in pre-season? Yeah. I, I tell you, the point I'm driving at now, is it this not on the manager? Of course it is on the manager. It's his squad. Do you not think he's just being very, very hesitant with him? Well, he's got a headache now that everybody's fit. Who are the first teamers? Who sits on the bench? Trying to keep everybody happy. On their big wages. And this is that this is where I'm worried about. And this, this is, is where I'm worried. His money. This is where I'm worried that Kobe Mainu suffers out game time to the likes of Christian Eriksen, who's safe. No, I don't think he'll suffer game time with Christian Eriksen, right? Because Christian Eriksen is definitely going. Apparently, they tried to sell Christian Eriksen this window, but he is definitely going in the summer. So Christian Eriksen, in my opinion, will be used really sparingly. But it would be. Do you pick Kobe Mainu over Casemiro? 
Do you think from what you've seen of Eric Ten Hag that that is your opinion over Eric Ten Hag's logic? Like I don't know Eric Ten Hag's logic at times. He's illogical at times the squad. Packs. How many times have we seen Christian Eriksen pack this season? You know, when the other varying pieces were available. Did we not turn around and go with a few points about your Eriksen plays with McTominay here? Or Eriksen plays with Kobe Mainu? And then in the last you game... Had, you had, what do you call it? You had my doubt you had Casemiro out at that time. Who else was out? Yeah, but he, he had Scott McTominay, Christian Eriksen and Kobe Mainu. He decided to play Ericsson and McTominay. And then when the Spurs game was going the way it was, the first thing that he thought was wrong with the game was that he needed to take Kobe Mainu off and partner Christian Ericsson and Scott McTominay. Didn't even look for Casemiro. Just thought the kid was the problem, so he hauled him off the pitch and put on McTominay. So that's what I'm, I'm saying to you. The logic in this man's head is showing me that he doesn't mind that Christian Ericsson is setting off into the sunset now in the summer. He still sees Ericsson as the safe option and therefore I think he picks him. I hope I'm wrong. But I mean, it's the, I have to look at his behaviours and just think, I see Ericsson playing more than Manu with a fully fit squad. Which I think I is completely know, maybe wrong. I don't his minutes, who knows. Yeah, I completely don't agree with that. I think they should manage his minutes and he should play every game that Casimir needs to rest. I think Casimir and him should be Rotated on a loop, and he should get as much game time as, as he can possibly get. This that's the plan. Hopefully, that's what I'm saying to you. Hopefully, that is the yeah. plan. I don't think it is. I don't think that's the way Ten Hag operates. But further up the pitch, Bruno Fernandez. Um, I would keep Bruno. So would I. Definitely. Bruno's worldly. He is. He just needs a bit of discipline at times. I think he just gets frustrated and fed up at the standard of football that's being played around him. him. And then he tries to yeah. do things that he possibly wouldn't do if he was playing in a really fluid game that he was enjoying. I honestly think Bruno Fernandes gets really frustrated and bored and starts yapping and behaving like a petulant child because he's sitting thinking, what is this? I think he's just frustrated with his teammates at times. And I think he loves being captain, but he's being let down by those people around him. That's my honest opinion. Uh, we'll go further up. Rasmus Hoibland. Oh, keep. Yeah. Anthony Marshall. Oh, no. Tell Anthony. Yeah. Forget about Anthony Marshall. Uh, right wing, Anthony. Do you know, I'd love to see him come good just because all the criticism that he's come on. Yeah. I no. really would. And no. apparently his agent was out talking to the press and saying, you will see a different player when he comes back. Liar. We have to. Remains to be seen. It does. You know, people can talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. But she won't. How do you know? Because he's shit. So you get rid? 110%, yeah. I'd have him gone to Saudi Arabia. And the, the money that the, the club laid out for. Yeah, but that's not the game we're playing. We're playing keep or sell. I don't have to worry about money and wages and whatever. I just have to worry about Barada being competent enough to ship him. So I sell. No, I and I sell for... Be a starter for me. I sell him cheap. I'd let him go back to Brazil if I could. I would give Anthony away. I think Anthony steals minutes from Facundo Palestri who's better than him. But he's gone, is he not? Palestri? Yeah. Apparently so. But I would take, if I was at Manchester United and I was the manager and they turned around and said to me, right, take the money out of it, Anthony or Palestri, who do you want to keep in the squad? Not as a starter, but I'm keeping Palestri. But I don't think having Anthony as a backup on the bench is any use to Manchester United. I don't see him coming good. He doesn't have pace. He's not able to beat a man. Two things you need in the Premier League. I think it's a waste. No, again, he'd be in trial for me until the summer. Yeah, I'd ship him. Ahmed Jallo? I'd keep Ahmed. 
I would too. I think Jallo's better than Anthony. And I'd love to see him get more minutes. Yeah, I want Anthony to be the backup now to Jallo. It's not going to happen because um, Tanag loves Anthony. But I would love to see Ahmed Jallo start now and Anthony be relegated to the bench. Um, we'll go over on the left, Marcus Rashford. Again, if they have only come in for Marcus Rashford, I'd let him go in the summer. Me too. I think time's up. No. Last season he's was so brilliant. inconsistent. Yeah. And no, he's just, he's just, he's, a, he's the most frustrating player that I've seen in a long time. Like you have, you have Marcus Rashford, right? On the left. He kills the game. He just stops. And then you have Anthony on the right, who does the exact same thing. He'll run at a player and then he'll stop. I think Marcus Rashford is better than Anthony because if Rashford gives up going ahead of steam against the fullback or against the centre-back, you know he's going to beat him. You trust him to beat him. You don't do that with Anthony. But in this slow, boring style of football where Marcus Rashford has to play in front of the defences, it's never going to suit him. So if we're going to play the game fairly and we're going to think that Eric Ten Hag is the manager persistent going forward, then you can't keep Marcus Rashford because he doesn't suit Eric Ten Hag at all. No. Eric Ten Hag needs really technical Man City-esque players like Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish to an extent who can operate in tight spaces and get into wee areas and stuff like that. don't particularly like that football. I think it's boring. But that's Manchester United at the minute. So Marcus Rashford needs to go. We're not going to get the exciting full tilt football that the likes of Jurgen Klopp plays where Marcus Rashford exploded in last year so if we're not going to get that Rashford's a waste so Alejandro Garnacho I'll keep yeah Garnacho's Garnacho's definitely one for the future I just hope again that like Marcus Rashford is at the point of his career where he needs to be the superstar and he's not he's 26 now you know he's the face of Man United apparently and it won't come at United with Garnacho, he's got enough years and I'm just suffering United still being poor for a while before we have to worry about whether he's wasting his career at us. So I would definitely keep Alejandro Garnacho. I think Garnacho should play more than Marcus Rashford now at the minute because he suits Ten Hag's system better. And that's as far as I can be. Mm. He's still developing though. He but is. But for me, Alejandro Garnacho at his age has more football intelligence than Marcus Rashford. He gets into better positions than Marcus Rashford. Rashford... read the game better, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. Rashford has an undeniable um, ability to play brilliant football when he is on form. He's, but he's a counter-attacking footballer, or no, I think he's a front-foot footballer. No, the difference is you can be a counter-attacking footballer if the only time that you can turn it on is when you are facing a team that's coming full pelt at you. But Marcus Rashford didn't do that last season. Manchester United weren't counter-attacked and didn't counter-attack every team that they played. They dominated a lot of teams last season in games. And he still managed to score the goals that he did. So a counter-attacking player could only turn it on in five, six games where you're playing your cities or Liverpools or Arsenals. That wasn't Rashford. When they were playing against the low block, they were playing full of set of steam and he was brilliant at jinking in between one and two people and putting the ball in the back of the net. But this season, when we've come into anti-football, he, his head goes, he's a bit like Bruno. He just looks like he can't be bad. And they're two of the best players Manchester United have at the minute. So you can only keep one. If you're going to keep playing this football, I would keep Bruno. Yeah, I agree with you. But he's going to have to have a real hard think about who he takes in now to try and get playing out on that left-hand side. Because I don't think Garnacho is going to be able to play every game. I think we've seen that in a couple of the big games where Garnacho does the same as Rashford to a lesser extent. He gets very frustrated. Very frustrated at how the overall game is going. 
But I suppose that takes us to the end, apart from one more. Eric Ten Hag. To the end of the season. I'll give him to the end of the season. Only because I'm so sure. I'm, I know I'm ahead. What's going on? Well, you know, any of us have big decisions to make in the summer. But hopefully they will have that that management team in that they want to make those big decisions logically footballing people in making footballing decisions and they're the ones I would trust that's yeah. what needs to happen now we play Newport at the weekend we're not going to spend too much time on this because we're well, coming to the end of the podcast do you know anything about Newport? Mm, yeah um, is it in the realms of possibilities they beat us? no okay good they're up for it ne- next round <laughs> of the FA Cup then but it's an Irish guy that's a manager and when the draw yeah. came out he said, um, I don't know if it's in Dublin or not, but I've used Dublin as an example. He says, oh, he says they're doing Irish jigs in Dublin. He says, they're all looking tickets. So I thought, that's the beauty of the cup, though. I just love the fact that they're at home. And I think they built a, a stand. There's an extra capacity. It's a stand, yeah. Yeah, half four on Sunday. No matter what you're doing, tune into that one. I think it's actually on terrestrial TV, isn't it? I have no idea. I think it is to drum up even more money for Newport. Great occasion for them. Tune but that's, into it. That's what I love about the FA Cup and that's what I said to you in the last podcast. I hope United are away and they get somebody in League 1 or League 2, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. But, and this will be huge. Massive for, for them. Huge. Massive for them. I actually can't wait to watch it. Do you think Ericsson Hag will play a few of the injured players that we are Oh, absolutely. About? Apparently we had a friendly behind closed doors against Burnley. Burnley beat us 3-1, by the way. <laughs> who scored? Who scored United's goal? Oh, God. Yasmero. Anthony. Couldn't make it up. But, uh, Burnley beat us 3-1. Burnley beat us 3-1. We're rubbish at behind closed doors. Aye, because we're so good in front of the cameras, like. Yeah, we've turned off the cameras. <laughs> ah, do you know, I'm not going to be negative end of the podcast. I have so many opinions on that behind closed doors result. Like... At what stage do we realise that Manchester United are just poor? Nothing's going to click. It's friendly. Yeah, true. But we can't lose to Newport. So listen, everybody, enjoy the game on Sunday. Uh, make sure you give us a like on Instagram where Mum does all the content. You're getting good. Reels and all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, that's my forte. I that's, tune into That's my area of expertise. Graphic design. I tune into the Instagram every now and again. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Like. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. One does try. One does try. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.